Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. John chapter 20. I want to begin at verse 11. I've entitled this message, Don't Touch Me. Don't Touch Me. You'll understand why. But Mary... And that's Mary Magdalene. Stood outside by the tomb, the tomb of Jesus, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, watch what happens in this awesome story. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, the resurrected Jesus. But for some reason, maybe it was the the tears streaming down her face, clouding her eyes. She did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Well, how many times had she heard that sound? And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Look what Jesus said to her. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Don't touch me, Mary. For I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. You can be seated today. I love this story, but I don't know if you realize this, maybe you have when you've read it, that there is a mystery surrounding the words of Jesus spoken to Mary Magdalene. The mystery is this. He would not permit her to touch him. Y'all see that? Don't cling to me. Don't touch me. This is very unusual because we know that Jesus was someone who was touchable. Parents brought little children to him that he might touch them. And that they might crawl up in his lap and touch him. And the disciples rebuked him. And he said, stop it. You permit those little children to come unto me. And don't you forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. The woman with the issue of blood reached in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And she was healed. This is interesting. Thomas, who missed church... wasn't there when the resurrected Lord appeared to the other disciples. But he came to the next service, and the Lord was there again. And what did he say to Thomas? Stop doubting. Put, watch, put your hand, touch me. Touch me. Put your finger in the fingerprints. Put your hand in the, in the wound in my side. Stop doubting and believe. So why Mary Magdalene? The woman that he had saved, 
the woman that he had delivered from demon possession, the woman who had supported him in ministry, someone who had probably touched him prior to this moment. And the answer to the mystery, this is very important, is that Jesus was in a place of transition. He said, tell the disciples that I'm going back to heaven. I'm going back to my God and their God, to my father and their father. He said, I've got some things I need to do. I've got to show myself alive by many infallible proofs for 40 days. I've got to tell the disciples to wait in the upper room until they are clothed with power and are baptized with the Holy Ghost. I've got to meet with them and give them the great commission so that they will go and spread the gospel around the world. I've got to go back to heaven and enter into the Holy of Holies in heaven and cast my blood, if you will, on the mercy seat and present my atoning work to the Father, and say, it is done. In other words, Jesus said to Mary, I'm in transition. I have a lot to do, so don't touch me. Listen, I haven't finished what I've started. I take that story and springboard to a principle that every believer ought to have in their life. Every child of God needs to have a don't touch me principle in their lives. You see, like the Lord, and actually with the Lord, that's a whole other realm of doctrine there, but we won't go there today. You have been buried with Christ. You have been resurrected with Christ. You have even gone to heaven with Christ, not physically. You're still here, but positionally, you're seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. There, there is something that, you know, we love, I love that song. I came out of that grave. I love that song because that's exactly what happened. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we came out of that grave just like Jesus came out of that grave. You've been to Calvary. God has started something wonderful in you. He's washed your sins away. You've been justified. You're now a recipient of God's mercy and his grace. You're in a process of transformation. You're beginning. I know you're a child of God, but but you're, you're being sanctified. You're beginning to be transformed into a child of God practically. You've repented. You've made a critical U-turn, and you're on your way to heaven. Anybody on their way to heaven in this house? Y'all still going there, right? Okay. But the fact is, you're not there yet. The fact is, you may not be what you used to be, but you're not quite yet what you ought to be. You're in process. The work of God in you has not been completed. You're still being transformed into Jesus' image from glory to glory. To put put it simply, you are in transition. Y'all still with me? With no, casting no dispersion on Mary Magdalene, in no way throwing her under the bus, but just taking that event and then pulling something out of it to apply to us. Listen, there are people and things that will latch on to you while you're in this transition, try to slow you down and hold you back 
and keep you from going where you're trying to go. People attempt to slow you down, deter you, detain you, detour you, and defile you. And you have to follow the Lord's example and say firmly to them, don't touch me. So you have several important reasons to say don't touch me to some people and things. Number one, you're going somewhere. I've already mentioned that. You're going to heaven. You're going to the presence of Jesus. How many of y'all ready to go see Jesus? Don't you fall in love with this world. Y'all, this ain't as good as it gets. Okay? Don't you fall in love with this world. If the rapture took place right now, I'm ready to go. They can have it. We're going somewhere. You, you have an awesome future as a priest and a king in the millennial reign of Christ. You've got a destiny. We, you cannot allow somebody to grab a hold of you and hold you back. You're going somewhere. Second reason, you belong to someone. You are Christ. I am his and he is mine. I'm God's prized possession. He purchased me with his blood. Blood. And Christ should be more to you than anyone else or anything else in this world. So much so that if someone or something tries to take his place, you have to say to them, I'm sorry, but you don't qualify. You're not going to take the place of Jesus. Let me give you a principle, maybe something you've never thought of before, okay? You cannot have distinction without competition. You cannot have distinction without competition. When someone is competing and then there is a win and a loss, then there is distinction. Now, some of you are not going to like this illustration. But the day you start a church and preach, then you can talk about the Gamecocks. But I have to talk about the Tigers. In 2016, the Clemson Tiger football team played 15 other teams. They competed and went all the way to the college football playoff championship game on January 9th, I think it was, 2017, and beat Alabama. Not easy now. We're going to stay spiritual. And won that game. Now listen, there was competition. But when the competition was over, there was distinction that there was only one champion. There was only one team that was above all the other teams. Nobody thought about any of the other teams. The only team that everybody thought about was the champion. For 15 games, college kids in football uniforms got on the gridiron and said to the other team, listen to me now, no, we will not allow you to take the ball into our end zone. We will not allow you to stop us from taking the football into your end zone. We will not allow you to score more points than we score. We will not allow you to win this game. We're going to win this game. Are you with me? There was competition, and when the game was over, there was distinction. This team is better. This team prevails. This team 
one. You have to have competition to have distinction. Now, let me, let me, let me just say it to you this way. For 15 games in 2016, the Clemson Tigers said to those other players, don't touch me. You're not going to cling to me. You're not going to hold me back. You're not going to stop me from going where I'm going. Now, I take that earthly illustration to say to you (laughs) and to remind you that if you really love Jesus, you have to cling to him and him alone. And you have to tell all the competitors who would pull you away from him to leave you alone. You have to say to them, I reject you. I defy you. I resist you. I don't want you. I don't need you. I have a new love in my life. And I refuse to allow you to keep me from reaching my destination. There are some places I'm going. There are some, there's a person that I'm becoming. There's a new relationship that I'm developing and nurturing with the Lord. You're not going to drag me down. You're not going to stop me from living for Jesus and serving him. Don't touch me. You are going somewhere. You belong to someone. And here's the third reason. You don't want to lose your blessing. You don't want to lose your blessing. There are promises God wants to fulfill just for you. You believe that? There are visions that God has for you, things that you're going to see that you want to do for the Lord. They need to become reality, and people and worldly things will try to kill the promise and destroy the dream. I'm not advocating, please, being mean-spirited or mistreating someone. I'm not talking about that. But you have to have enough sense, y'all, to realize it when someone is trying to pervert or poison or curse what should be a blessing in your life. You sometimes have to tell those people, I love you, but don't touch me. You want the baptism with the Holy Ghost? Holiness will get you there. Distinction. Back in the late 1800s, early 1900s in America, most of the churches in America were nominal. They were were Christian in name only. They were social clubs. There were, there were gatherings of people on Sunday, but there was no spirit, no life, no move of God. People weren't living right. And God started a revival in America, and he started it in the hearts of people. People read the Bible and said, I don't understand why the preacher's not preaching the way I'm preaching today and challenging us to live right and serve God. I don't understand this. I, I go to church with people, but they don't live right, and there's no power. There's no life. There are no miracles. Nobody's lives are being radically transformed by salvation. And so those people banded together and started little churches. And they were just hungry to be like the Lord. And they were hungry to live for Jesus. They were hungry to have a distinction that said, I belong to him. And they were persecuted for it. And, they, and, and, and those other nominal churches gave them a hard time. And, 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 but they started these churches and they're just praying. And they don't know what to do except God make me holy. God, make me not like the world. God, help me to be like Jesus. And the more they prayed that and got hungry to be like God, the Lord began to do something that they had no 
idea was going to occur. And there are stories told of individuals who went into their prayer closets and men who went out in the back where they would pray and have their prayer time at a stump. And as they were praying, God, make me holy. I want the distinction. I, I don't want... I don't want any of the competitors of this world to take over like they've done all these other church people. I just want to love you and live for you and serve you and do what's right. And as they're praying that passionate prayer, suddenly they began to speak in a heavenly language they had never learned. It scared the living daylights out of them. And the only thing they knew to do was to go back and start asking people, What's happening to me? I don't understand. And they got in the Bible, and the Lord led him over to Acts chapter 2, and I'm sure Acts chapter 8 and 10 and 19, and they started reading the stories of how the early church was baptized with the Holy Ghost. And that's how Pentecost was birthed in America. And guess what? It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. If you want a Holy Spirit, you need to live a holy life. And if you'll just say, God, you know, there are people that love blending in. People love just blending in. There are people that love being accepted by everybody outside the world. And if your hunger and desire is to be accepted by everybody else, then why do you think God would do anything for you that would be distinctive? You have to reach that point where you say, God, you know, some of you know my brother-in-law, Joel, Leah's younger brother. He, he, is, he is an evangelist and a pastor, and he is anointed by God. I have, I have done services with Joel. He preached a seven-week revival here one time. And, and my brother-in-law, now he'll tell you he's ADD and full of the Holy Ghost. And he is. But what I have always re- admired about my brother-in-law, Joel Talley, is that Joel doesn't care who you are. God doesn't, he doesn't matter. It doesn't care, he doesn't care where he is. When God tells him to do something, he'll do it. He'll talk to anybody. He'd lay hands on Joe Biden. He'd lay hands on Governor McMasters. And if they fell out under the power, he'd just move on to the Senate. Then to the, then to the House of Representatives. Then he'd say, where are the judges? Go get the Supreme Court. Let's lay hands on them. He'll pray for anybody. And God's power flows through him. Because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. All he cares about is what God thinks. My God, I feel the whole, I feel Holy Ghost anointing all over me right now. I don't know why, but somebody needs this. Sometimes you have to reach the point where you say, I'm not going to live in fear, and I'm not going to live in, in, in apprehension, and I'm not going to live with hesitation. I want to be that person that God can use any moment, anytime, anywhere. If it's at work, if it's at Walmart, if it's at Target, if it's at the mall, if it's on a golf course, God, wherever it's at, here I am, Lord, use me. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost power and then use you. Somebody needed to hear that. If you want a greater measure of God's spirit and his presence and his power, you may have to say to some people or some ideas appear that are holding you back, you may have to say to them, look, I'm not going to let you stick around in my mind anymore. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. You know why some people can't get baptized with the Holy Ghost? They're all hung up about tongues. But you got to get reached a point where you say, Who, let, just, don't worry about it. I just want, I want more of God. I want more of God's power. 
you, you dumb idea, get out of my mind. Don't touch me. You're holding me back. Anything that's holding you back, you have to say, let go of me. Problem is, it may not be holding on to you. You may be holding on to it. You might, and that's a whole other message. Some things you may need to just let go of. This principle is true relative to God's word versus the humanistic philosophies of this world. This is the fifth Sunday, and I'm so glad that our, our students are all up here today. They all come up on the fifth Sunday and join us. And so it's good to see all the students, the middle schoolers and the high schoolers are here. Let me talk to you because some of you are going to go to college one day, possibly. College and university professors will teach you things contrary to what you have read in your Bible. But it doesn't just happen in college, man. It happens on the Internet. It happens on television. You look at a screen. People will speak with confidence, and then they'll belittle you if you attempt to disagree with them. They try to make you feel stupid because you believe the Bible and that they're smarter than you. And so you need to be sure of what you believe and be aware of those who try to do that. And let me just throw this in here. Be aware of those who will tout the value of pluralism. Let me tell you about pluralism. There's some positive things about pluralism. Usually they begin with what's called empirical pluralism. Empirical pluralism says it's simply a fact that the world consists of a diversity of languages and ethnicities and religions and worldviews. Well, you can't argue with that, right? It's true. And then they move from empirical pluralism to what they call cherished pluralism. And so they say that because that is true, then you need to value it. Matter of fact, you need to celebrate the fact that there are, are all kinds of different worldviews. You need to approve of the fact that there are all kinds of religions. You need to be celebrating the fact that, that there are all kinds of diversity in the world and appreciate that. Well, I mean, I can, but now you're starting to push me a little bit because when you're saying, but wait a minute, I can, I can acknowledge that there are different worldviews, but I don't know if I can celebrate a worldview that is different than God's word in a biblical worldview. See, see, now it's starting to get a little hairy. But where they're going to push you is what's called philosophical pluralism. And that's where the crisis begins. Because what they want you to do is they want you to change. They'll target your commitment to a biblical worldview. They'll, they'll target your commitment to a biblical moral standard. They'll target your Christian faith and they'll, they'll demand that you abandon these things and admit that all religions are equal, and that no religion or worldview can claim exclusive truth. And that becomes a problem for us. And I want you to understand that that is where you may have to politely say, with all due respect, I'm sorry, but I cannot do what you're asking me to do. I will not permit you to touch me with your woke tolerance your secular philosophies, your twisted ideas that are anti-Jesus and anti-God and anti-Bible because I know what I believe. And I know whom I believe. And I am persuaded of the truth of God's holy word. And there are times you just got to stay, don't touch me. Don't touch me because I choose to stand on my biblical moral standard. I choose to stick with my biblical worldview. I choose to remain faithful to my Christian faith. Now listen, that sounds a little old-fashioned. That seems counter-cultural. 
so be it. But to me, it's more than those things. There is an element of exclusivity to my faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, I am the way. Not Buddha, not Islam, not any other. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And nobody gets to the Father except through me. So, so yeah, give God praise. Once you compromise that, you have compromised him. Why can't we just believe that all roads lead to God? They don't. That's a man-made concept. You don't take a religion that gets you to God. You can't get to God. God had a made a road to get to you called Jesus. And that's why God comes down here robed in flesh. You don't have a road that gets to God. There's only a road from him that gets to us. And that's Christianity because it's the son of God. So stay away from whatever or whoever will slow you down in your walk with Christ. Come on, musicians, I'm done. Stay away from whatever will hold you back. Stay away from whatever will stop you in your tracks. Can I just preach a little old-fashioned right now? I'm just going to preach. Some of you aren't going to like this, but I'm just going to preach today. This is what God told me to preach, and I'm going to let the chips fall, okay? But here it is. There are some places you don't need to go. There are some things you don't need to do. There are some people you don't need to associate with. There are some things on a screen you don't need to watch. There are some fleshly lusts that you need to deny. There are some temptations you need to say no to. And here's what I'm saying. You need to say this. I am too old. I've been through too much. I've come too far. I've fought too many battles and too many devils to let somebody in this world or something in this world get their clutches on me and ruin my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to say to them, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Come on, y'all stand to your feet while you're clapping. Don't touch me. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm on the highway to holiness. I have a place waiting on me in the Father's house. I'm in this world, but not of this world. Don't touch me. Now, I don't live where you live. All my employees are saved. All my employees go to church. But yours don't. Your co-workers don't. They're not all saved. Your co-workers, they don't go to church. They go to the bar. They go honky-tonking, clubbing, and all the rest that goes with that. I don't necessarily live where you live, but I live in the same world you live in. And I know what's pulling at you, and I know what tries to get... I know the spirit of the business world. You, if you're not careful, you'll compromise. If you're not, if you're not careful, you're, you'll start competing, and it'll consume you. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll embrace concepts from other people. If you're not careful, you'll sacrifice your faith, your family, your church for this world and money and success. Preachers have done it with churches.
And I just came here today on Memorial Day weekend to remind you, don't you hold back, don't you be ashamed, don't be mean, but at the same time be firm if you have to. I hope right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to every one of you and showing you your life. Is there someone or something that's got its clutches on you that's hindering your walk with Christ? Because what I'm saying to you today is tell that person, tell that thing, your days are numbered. Don't touch me. I can't see you anymore. I can't date you anymore. I can't talk to you anymore. touch me I preached this message 13 years ago none of you remember it I only preached it once the Lord told me to preach it today 13 years ago y'all can't remember what happened 13 years ago a lot of you weren't here 13 years ago we had a hallelujah holy ghost time that Sunday morning is what I remember that night, I was asked to go to a church and preach that I had preached too many times. And I felt impressed with the Lord to preach that same message at that church. And I did. And when I finished, the pastor, who was a man that I love, got up and began to, in so many words, apologize for my preaching to his congregation. looking over at him saying what is this all about I've preached like this at this church before others have preached and I'm just looking at him and he's, he's apologizing as if I have crossed a line done something you know that that's 13 years ago he's never had me back I've never been invited to come back to that church people have wondered why I don't have an answer. The only answer is this. Preaching like this doesn't always settle with everybody. But this is the only preacher you got. I mean, Pastor T and Pastor Evan, I guess, could. But I got to watch Evan. He's starting to sound a lot like me, isn't he? That's all right, son. How Pastor T is, he'll tell you what to do in a split second. My favorite moment still is when he caught some of you being coming out of the bathroom. You didn't wash your hands. And he got up here in public. They said, Wash your hands. That's still one of my favorite moments. He by life or whatever he's done. Wash your hands. You men better wash your hands. That's nasty. I just left holiness to cleanliness. Not everybody likes this kind of preaching. But can I let you in on a secret? This kind of preaching will get you to heaven. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.